Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, Keeping Pace in Hematologic Malignancies, Updates from ASCO 2022, is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. A lot of new data were presented recently at ASCO 2022. Let's find out what this means for clinical practice today. This is CME on ReachMD, and I am Dr. Shaji Kumar. I am Dr. Maria Victoria Mateos. Let's get to it. First, there was some exciting news for newly diagnosed multiple myeloma with the results of the long-awaited determination trial. Can you tell us about that? Determination trial evaluated the role of transplant as part of the first line of therapy after induction with RVD versus RVDH cycles, and both arms will continue with maintenance with lenalidomide until progressive disease. The first take-home message is transplant does continue being the standard of care because of the significant benefit in terms of progression free survival. However, it's true that this trial with a very long follow-up didn't report any benefit benefit in terms of survival. This means that we can potentially consider the patient preferences in order to proceed or not to autologous stem cell transplantation as part of the first line of therapy. And the second consideration is the incorporation of the undetectable measurable residual disease because when it is negative, the outcome for patients who receive and who didn't receive autologous stem cell transplantation was comparable. Translocation 1114 is emerging as a predictive biomarker. What is the effect of this mutation on progression-free survival in patients receiving triple induction therapy? Yes, the translocation 1114 is one of those translocations in myeloma that can be present in up to 20% of patients. Previous studies have demonstrated that the outcomes of patients with 1114 translocation appears to be intermediate between the other standard risk multiple myeloma and patients with high-risk disease. But most of the older data had been in the context of previous injection therapies. And this particular abstract from Emory University looked at the outcomes of patients with translocation 1114 in the context of bortezomib, lenalidomide, and on triplet, they were able to show that the progression-free survival was inferior to patients with standard risk multiple myeloma, confirming some of the earlier findings. And these findings are important because we have a drug, Venetoclax, which is a BCL2 inhibitor that has demonstrated significant activity among the patients with translocation 1114. And this potentially opens up an avenue for us to improve the outcomes of patients with translocation 1114. We also have some new data for the transplant eligible patients with new diagnosed myeloma. The Griffin trial looked at quadruped therapy with drectimumab and its effect on minimal residual negativity in this patient population. Marivi, what can you tell us about that data? Yeah, in the Griffin study, data VRD followed by transplant consolidation with the data VRD and maintenance with the data lenalidomide was compared with the standard of care RBD transplant, RBD, and len maintenance. The addition of data to MUMAB to VRD improved the quality of the proportion of patients achieving complete response. But when the minimal residual disease was evaluated, the addition of data resulted in a higher rate of undetectable measurable residual disease. But in addition, and trying to generate surrogate markers predicting outcome in this population. The sustained and detectable measurable residual disease was evaluated at six months and in one year. And almost 50% of the patients treated with the data RVD reached sustained and detectable measurable residual disease at six months and at one year versus 12 or 14% of patients in the control arm. And the important information is those patients with sustained and detectable measurable residual disease 
presented an excellent outcome in terms of progression of survival. Few patients have so far progressed. So definitely from my point of view, this is going to be an important surrogate marker predicting outcomes in multiple myeloma. That's an important point, and I think the Dratumumab RBT regimen is likely to be a very commonly used quadruplet regimen going forward, given the efficacy that we have seen so far. The high rates of MRD negativity, we hope, will translate to a better progression-free survival, which hopefully we will see with more mature data, and which will then support increased use of this quadruplet regimen in this patient population. For those just tuning in, you are listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Shaji Kumar, and here with me today is Dr. Maria Victoria Matthews. Together, we are discussing the emerging data from ASCO 2022 and what it means for your clinical practice. Turning now to the relapsed disease, teclistinib looks to be a promising new agent. What were the key new data present at ASCO? At ASCO, we had the opportunity to see an update efficacy and safety data from the Majestic One clinical study in which teclistamab, a BCMA-CD3 by a specific monoclonal antibody, was evaluated in 165 relapsed and non-refractory myeloma patients after a median of five prior lines of therapy and majority of the patient triple-class refractory. In this update, we've seen how the overall response rate was 63%, with almost 40% of the patients achieving at least complete response, and the median durability of the response was of approximately one and a half year, with a median progression of survival in the intent to treat patient population of approximately one year. Safety profile is quite acceptable, although we have to assume that the majority of the patients will develop CRS, hematological toxicity, but especially infections. And maybe in the clinical practice, we have to start with adequate prophylaxis in order to protect our patients from severe infections. But definitely the updated data for Majestic 1 support the use of teclistamab in the future when this drug is approved in relapsed and refractory myeloma patients. And the next step is to move to randomized studies. One of the major benefits for teclistamab as well as other bispecific monoclonal antibodies is the possibility of being combined with other drugs like the monoclonal antibody daratumumab. And this is what it is going to be evaluated in the Majestic three clinical study. Phase three, randomized study conducted in relapsed and non-refractory myeloma patients after one to three prior lines of therapy. The experimental arm will be teclistamab plus daratumumab, and the control arm is going to be either DARA-PD or DARA-PD. And the trial is ongoing, and the primary endpoint is progression-free survival. In addition, one additional consideration about the Majestic 1 and the efficacy data reported for teclistamab single agent, because when we compared this efficacy data with triple class exposed relapsed and non-refractory myeloma patients included in the locomotion study and observational and prospective clinical study. We see how the incorporation of this BCMA-targeted therapy throughout the use of the bispecific monoclonal antibody teclistamab resulted into a better efficacy in terms of response rate as well as in terms of durability of the response and complete response rate. Saji, let's move on now to cell therapy. Anna, we now have two approved CAR T cell therapy. Can you highlight the new data around Zilta cell and ID cell for us? 
Absolutely, Maria. I think we saw some exciting updates with respect to the CAR T-cell therapy. As you mentioned, they have IDA-cell that is already approved and there was a real-world data that was presented at ASCO, which looked at a cohort of 196 patients who were treated with IDA-cell. Interestingly, the data showed that the overall response rate was about 84%, quite similar to what was seen in the pivotal karma study. The progression-free survival for this cohort was about 8.9 months and the median overall survival was not reached. Both these numbers appeared to be quite identical to what we saw with the pivotal karma study. Interestingly, they also looked at patients who met the criteria for the karma trial and those who did not. Certainly, it seems like the patients who did not meet the criteria for the trial did not have as good an outcome as the ones who met the criteria for the trial. Again, highlighting the differences or the importance of looking at real-world evidence in comparison to what we see in the clinical trials. There was another interesting analysis looking at patients who were receiving the IDASL in the clinical trials and looking at some of the correlative studies. In particular, the investigators wanted to look at clinical characteristics that may predict for an inferior outcome, both in terms of manufacturing the CAR-T as well as the clinical outcomes. They found that patients with higher tumor burden or patients with lower starting lymphocyte count, these are the patients who are more likely to have a poor outcome. These kind of correlative studies will be important for us when we try to select the right patients for these therapies. Now, the other CAR-T cell that is approved is the Silta cell, and there are ongoing studies that are looking at different patient populations. The CARTITUDE 2 is a multi-cohort study that's looking at a variety of different patient populations. The results from the cohort A that looked at patients who had one to three prior lines of therapy and were lenaldomatofractory showed that the overall response rate was quite comparable at about 95% with almost 90% of the patients getting a complete response. Now, this is important data because the ongoing phase three trial is looking at the comparison of Silta cell with standard of care combinations like Dorotimumab, pomeladomide, and dexamethasone, or pomeladomide, botosamide, dexamethasone, particularly in this patient population. Now, the cohort B is an interesting cohort because that looked at a functional high-risk patient population, and these are patients with disease that relapsed very early after the initial therapy. And even in this high-risk patient population, the overall response rate was quite comparable with almost all patients responding to the therapy with majority of them getting to be minimal residual disease negative. So I think as we continue to learn more from these studies, we will be able to select the appropriate therapy for our patients based on the underlying clinical characteristics. There is not any doubt that the CMA CAR-Ts will move to earlier lines of therapy. The information in the real-world experience will contribute to improve the outcomes of our patients treated with CAR-Ts in the clinical practice. Well, it's been great catching up on the latest information from ASCO with you. Marivi, before we go, what is one take-home message for our listeners today? The treatment landscape for patients with multiple myeloma is rapidly evolving. At the moment of the relapse, we see earlier and earlier patients already exposed to the three main drug classes, proteasome inhibitors, imids, and anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies. We have just the opportunity to see at ASCO how the BCMA-targeted therapy is able to cover this unmet medical need with excellent data reported with bi-specific monoclonal antibodies as well as CAR-T's it is logical to see how this BCMA-targeted therapy will rapidly move to earlier lines of therapy. And I will add, the treatment of newly diagnosed myeloma also continues to evolve with mature data from Griffin trial demonstrating the high rates of MRD negativity for the quadruplet regimens, which will likely lead to better longer-term outcomes. And we also have data at the ASCO, which supports the continued use of autologous stem cell transplantation as part of initial therapy of multiple myeloma in the transplant eligible patient population.
Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening in. And thank you, Marvi, for joining me today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much, Asagi. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.